Hi, Believer, and welcome back to the Woe Believer podcast, where we are bearing fruit daily by rightly dividing the word of truth, aka the Bible, y'all. And I'm your girl, Naila Amara, and today we are talking about love, forgiveness, and the real truth behind it, okay? Because a lot of people don't want to talk about the truth anymore, but we're going to talk about the truth. We're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about forgiveness, and we're also going to talk about how we can love and forgive other people, which sometimes can be a little difficult do you hear me please you all like this is not to judge anyone this is to reveal what God commands us to do and his command for me is to rightly divide the truth that includes what we need to do as believers to receive God's love and forgiveness so I want you all to pay close attention to not only what God can do for us but what he commands us to do because oftentimes we will say oh God loves us God forgives us you know, grace, mercy, and all the positive, but sometimes we forget like that truth part that comes with that love and forgiveness as in what our part is. So God is love, okay? And God's love is free for all, but does it run out? You know, what about forgiveness? Is there anything that's unforgivable? Well, we're going to find that out today, but before we get into anything, let's pray. Lord, Jesus, thank you so much for another opportunity to spread your love and your right truth, Lord. I'm praying that I will decrease and you will increase. I pray that this this believer receives you, is convicted by what's said today, and will decide from here on out to go into the world and love and forgive. Lord Jesus, I'm praying that this seed is sown on good ground and that hearts are softened. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so let's get straight into it, you all. So God's, let's start with this. God's love is actually an offering. Did you guys know that? Like God offers his love. So we don't automatically, you know, by right, like we're not entitled to God's love and forgiveness. We're not entitled to that. He gives it to us willingly, abundantly, everlasting. It's always there as an offering, but it's ultimately our choice to receive it. So God's love is just like out here, just like waiting for us to just come and grab it. But God is not a controlling God. He gives us free will. And what free will means is the right to choose. You can choose to believe in him and accept his love and accept what he did for us, or you can choose to deny his love. So in John three sixteen, it says, God so loved the world. God so loved the world, the world. He's not even saying Christians, believers, his children. He said he loved the world, everybody, everyone in the world. And he gave that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So God gave his son to take our sins away before we accepted him into his, into our lives. However, there's a choice there that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Meaning you have to choose whether you want to, you can choose death where, you know, it's either, you know, like you perish not believing in him and his love for us and his offering for us. Or you can choose everlasting life and accept Jesus's sacrifice and his love. 
So God's already given and will always be available. His love is already given and available for the world. Anyone can have it free of charge, right? But it is a requirement for you to believe in order to receive that, like to truly receive that, meaning offer to the world, again, offer to everyone, but offered and given, like offered and given is very different than offered and received. So it's a two in street, like God offers it to you, but you have to receive it. And again, like he loves the whole world. He wish none should perish. He wishes that, but it's really your decision because he gives free will. It's your decision on whether or not you want to believe or not. John 14, 21, Jesus says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him him and manifest myself to him. So he who has my commandments and keeps them. So in order for you to keep God's commandments, you have to believe in him. It's, I mean, it's like they go hand in hand, like, and you can't like you, you can't do his commandments and keep his commandments, but not believe in Jesus. Like there is the entirety of the Bible and everything it commands us to do. If you're not a believer in Christ, then there's really no like reward for you to do that. But if you're a believer in Christ and you're keeping these commandments, then God's saying, you love me. So I love you and I'll manifest myself to him. Meaning if we keep God's commandments, that's an indication that we love him and we are in a position to manifest God's love in us. So we'll have the love to give because God's love will be abiding in us. But what is God's command for us to do? Like what, when he says my commandments and keeps them, what commandments is he talking about? So Jesus goes on to say in John 15, 17, these things I command you that you love one another. What? I have to love people in order for God to manifest himself to me? You mean in order for me to be in right standing with Christ and be in right standing with God, receive God's love, I have to love other people? What? Oh, yeah. Matthew twenty two thirty seven through 40 says, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And what Jesus says, when Jesus is saying this, he means neighbor as in like everyone, like everybody, like your neighbor, your actual neighbor, your brother, your friends, your family, your people who just walk past you on the street, all those people, you have to love them like you love yourself. The first commandment is love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So if you're loving Jesus and you're loving him, you're keeping his commandments, as he says in John 14, 21. And your love will be his love will be in you. But you have to love. Number one, you have to love God. And you do that by believing and you do that by operating in his commandments and keeping them. And you do that by loving someone else, by loving everyone. So point blank, we have to love everyone. It's what God commands us to do. And it's how we represent his love in us. Like us loving everyone else is how people see God. Like God is in us. Jesus lives in us. He abides in us. And we take that love that he shares with us and we spread it. The Lord says, like, I chose you, I love you, and I appoint you to go bear long-lasting fruit. 
which means you have to spread this love that I have given you in order to make more disciples for me. That when so so at the last supper, he's with his disciples and he tells them literally what I just said, I love you and I appoint you to bear long lasting fruit as in make other disciples make go bear witness of my love go do that go tell people and go show them that I love them like how I love you that's my commandment for you but we're living in a world where a lot of believers aren't spreading love anymore And yes, like I'm a hundred percent, like you should also hold people accountable, right? But we have to get to a point where we allow the Holy Spirit to convict while we show love. The Holy Spirit is God's and Jesus's ordained being to convict people. We are to bear long lasting fruit by loving one another. Someone can't receive Jesus in their life if they're offended. They can't receive Jesus in their life or they can't tell that you're spreading the love of Jesus. They can't tell if you're hating or judging. Like you have to, you have to show love in everything you do. If you're not loving one another, if you're not loving your neighbor, then you're not loving God. And I love like what it says in John, 1 John 4, 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. In 1 John Five one, it goes on to say, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves him, who begot also loves him, who is begotten of him. By this way, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. In order for us to say that we love God, we have to operate in love with each other. That means like we can't hate each other. We can't be malicious to each other. We can't be petty to each other, jealous of each other, backbiting each other, conspiring against each other. No, we should be doing nothing but loving each other or else we are liars if we say we believe in God and we're spreading hate. If we're spreading anything other than God's love, we are not operating in Christ. And that that's what the Bible says. Whoever says he loves me and does not love his neighbor, I'm sorry, his brother is a liar. I can't say that I love Jesus and I love God and he loves me if I'm hateful to others. And, and that includes the world. That includes the world. That includes loving people who don't love Christ. That includes people who don't like you. The world loves worldly people, but it despises God's people. However, we still have to love them. Jesus was hated by the world, but we still, but he still showed love, whether received or not. God still gave his son, whether the world received him or not. We spread God's love to bear fruit, meaning leading others so that they know who Christ is, not 
to receive love in return. And when you're loving worldly people, they're in the world. They don't know love. You're not going to receive God's love back from them. Some of us, some of us, some of us are picking and choosing who we want to love. Matthew 5, specifically says, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Jesus goes on to say in, in Matthew 5, what reward do we have if we love people who only like us? Like, how how can I mean, if we're if we're just only liking people who like us, loving people who love us, that doesn't that doesn't prove anything. That's a, that doesn't prove that we love Jesus. That doesn't prove that God's love abides us in uh, abides in us. He, he says tax collectors love people who pay their bills on time. Like, what about when someone's not paying their bills on time? What about when someone is persecuting you? or being evil towards you, or purposely causing you pain. Ask yourself, did I deserve God's loving sacrifice? Did I deserve his son's love, God's love, his son lashed, nailed, hung, blasphemed, mocked, and, and, and after all of that, still deciding to offer his love to us and offer us an opportunity to get right? I know I don't deserve that. I know that I didn't do anything to get that love. I have to love people like Jesus loved them. That after they lashed and nailed me and persecuted me and spit on me and blasphemed me and said all evil manners against me, that I still have to love them like Jesus did. That's a true believer. And that's hard. Not everybody can do that. And that's why God says, when you love one another, my love is in you because that's not your love that you're spreading. That's God's love. It takes God's love in order to show that love to other people. See, I can love like that because I, I experienced that love from Jesus himself. Like the fact that God died on the cross after I was in my sin and still loving me despite despite me being wicked and evil and sinful and doing all this these things that are totally against him and all that he stands for and then making the decision to turn to him and him giving me his love and I'm receiving that love is the most amazing feeling in the world and it's because you know you don't deserve that love you know you didn't do anything to receive that love you know that in in the midst of your sin and doing what you wanted to do just operating in grace and the Lord still deciding to to love you Luke 15 the prodigal son Right. So if you guys are not familiar with the story, let me let me share something with you. So Jesus shares the story of the prodigal son. And um, there's a there's a man, there's a father and he has um, he has a son. Well, he has two sons, but we're just going to talk about one son today. So he has a son and the son. He's like, give me my share, like my what you owe me, like my birthright and give it to me now uh, before he was supposed to have it. And the father gave it to him. And he left and he foolishly and wickedly spent all of the, all of the birthright, like all of the money that the father had given him. Um, and then he was in a place where he was out, down and out, 
and he returned he he thought to himself well let me return to my father's house um and i'll ask him like for forgiveness and i'll ask to be a, a servant and he goes to his father's house and his father sees him from afar coming towards him and you guys i'm trying not to cry but he sees him coming towards him and as he's coming the father runs to him he, he runs to him so the son isn't even at the house yet he's just on his way and god runs well, the father runs to him and hugs him because he sees him and he has compassion for him and the son says I don't deserve it I'll eat where the pigs eat I'll eat their food like anything please like I I'll do anything just just forgive me I'm so sorry and the father embraces him embraces him puts a, the best robe on him puts a ring on his finger tells the servants to get this massive feast together so that they can all sit and and eat he welcomes him back in imagine if that father held a grudge imagine if that father took his love away that's that that's what acceptance of love looks like in the midst of my sin, I choose to turn away from this and go back to my father's house, humble myself, ask for forgiveness and serve him. That's the attitude you need when you're asking, when you're trying to accept God's love. That's the attitude, not this entitlement. I have a birthright. That's what that man had before. That's what the son had before. Give me what you owe me. You, I'm your son. Give this to me. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm doing what I want to do. Now I'm out and dry and down and in pain and hurt and suffering. I'll go to my father's house. I'll humble myself. I'll apologize and I'll just serve him. And because the father had compassion, he did exceedingly above all that and wiped his sleep clean. 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So not only does God forgive us, but he washes us of that sin. We are clean in his eyes, although we've caused so much pain in the past. Although we've made such wicked decisions, although we've operated in our flesh and made empty promises over and over and over, God never said, oh, I got to go through a healing process. That's the world. That's man. That's the, that's, that's the world's ideology of forgiveness. Oh, I got to heal from this. Oh, you know what? She, she don't deserve, uh, no. I'm not, I'm not doing that with her. She doesn't deserve this. She doesn't deserve forgiveness. I'm not forgiving him. I'm not forgiving her after they did such and such and such. Imagine if the Lord had that attitude. That would be awful. Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Peter asked Jesus, how much should we forgive someone who sins against us? And Jesus says 70 times 70. 70 times seven. So basically every time we should forgive them like every single time. 
Then he shares a parable of a great king who's settling accounts with his servants. And we're going to, I'm going to break this down for you. So this is going to be found in Matthew 18 and this great king, he's settling accounts and one servant had owed him 10,000 talents. And if you guys don't know what 10,000 talents is, that is like a big chunk of change. Like that's a lot of money. And he wasn't able to pay the king. So the king commanded that everything of the servant be taken away until he can pay. But the servant fell on his knees and begged the king and asked the king to have patience and he would pay all the debt. And the king had compassion. Y'all, God's compassion is so crazy. Like, we are so wicked. We do things that are so mean and rude and bad and so against God every day. And he has compassion. So he, the Bible says he had compassion for the servant and he forgave all, all of the servant's debt. And then that same servant was owed a hundred denarii by his servant. And to give you guys a little bit of context, one talent, one, remember the king's servant owed 10,000 talents. One talent is worth 6,000 denarii. So this servant that owed the king's servant 100 denarii, he didn't owe, not he owed like a tiny fraction of what this servant owed the king. And just so we, we don't get confused, we're going to call the king's servant, servant number one, and then the king's servant, servant, no, servant number two. So servant number two owed servant number one, a hundred denarii. Servant number one owed the king 10,000 talents. One talent is worth 6,000 denarii. Y'all, this is chump change, petty change compared to the debt that the king forgave the first servant. So the first servant um, rings the second servant by the neck and says, pay me what you owe me. This is literally scriptural. Pay me what you owe me. This little bit of a hundred denarii after being forgiven for 10,000 talents, you need to pay that to me. And the servant number two said to servant number one, he fell down on his feet and he was like, please have patience with me. Like, don't throw me in the prison. Like, I, I will pay it. But the servant number one throws servant number two in prison and says, you're going to stay here until you pay me what I'm owed." And the king heard about it. The king says in Matthew 18, 32 specifically, then his master, after he called him, said to him, I forgive you all the debt because I beg, beg, should you also have compassion on your fellow servant, I have pity on you. Matthew 18, 34 through 35 says, and his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father, these are Jesus's words. So my heavenly father will also do to you if each of you from the from heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses from heart, meaning you can say, oh, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive them. But if you don't mean it in your heart, that doesn't mean anything. Don't miss everlasting life because you're holding on to unforgiveness. You're holding a grudge. 
That's wicked. God calls that wicked for not forgiving somebody something petty. This servant didn't forgive over a hundred denarii. That's chump change. That's like $5 compared to like 50,000. Don't, don't reap the consequences for something as petty as that. Forgive them immediately, immediately. Don't, don't, oh, I'm a, I'm a wait until they make it up to me. That's not scriptural. That's not biblical. The king forgave the servant immediately. The servant threw servant number two in jail until he could pay the debt off. That is not right. That's wicked. You have to forgive immediately. In order for you to show love to anyone, you have to forgive them. No matter what they've done, no matter if they owe 10,000 talents or 100 denarii, you have to forgive them immediately. In order for Jesus' and God's love to live in you, you have to forgive others so that you can love them. Some of you are going through hell on earth because of unforgiveness. The effects of unforgiveness is torturous. Give that hate up. Give it up to God. Give it up now. God will deal with that individual more than you could ever fathom. Trust. Trust me. Trust me. When you walk in love and forgiveness, no weapon formed against you will prosper. God's protection will cover you because you are his child. And how do you know you're his child? Because you're loving and forgiving others. Think of every person you can't stand who's done something horrible to you that's undeserving of your love and forgiveness and make the decision right now to love them. Say out of your mouth, I forgive you. Then ask the Lord to forgive you for your grudges and give you the strength to operate in love daily. Make the decision to love those who hate you, who persecute you, who lash you, who nail you, who want to put you up on a cross, who wish death upon you. Love them, love them and forgive them. Jesus was on the cross and he looked up to his father and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The world will never love you, but God does. Your goal is to love them despite their evil, wretched, wicked ways because they don't know the truth like you and I know the truth yet. They don't know God's love yet. You have to be that person that shows them God's love or we're, we're, we're not representing Christ. We'll be liars if we say we believe Jesus and don't love people. We got to love them. We have to forgive them. Our reward is great when we love those who hate us. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That's our job as believers. That's what God commands us to do. Love God with all our heart, mind, strength, soul, and then love each other like we love ourselves. Do that. Do that in everything you do. Operate in love and forgiveness in everything you do and you will abide in Christ. Trust me. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. If you're touched about how much God loves you, imagine how many people you will touch and how much fruit you will bear based off the love that you show them. 
when you associate yourself with Christ and then you operate in love, people associate that love with him as well. And they want that forever. And Jesus can give that to them. That's long lasting fruit. All right, y'all, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us together. I pray that this believer learned about love and forgiveness and what their commands are from you to love you and to love others. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for strength, strength that this believer will be able to spread the love that you have put over them, Lord Jesus. Give them the strength that even in the midst of persecution, that they will find the forgiveness in their heart. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will soften their hearts, Lord, so that they will be able to accept you and your love, Lord Jesus, and then go spread that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much, Believer, for listening. You can follow me, Naila Amara, at Naila Amara on Instagram. That's N-A-I-L-A-H-I-M-A-R-A. And you all, like, I post these really funny reels sometimes, so please, like, take a look, laugh. If they're not funny, I'm sorry. And then you can also check out our website, woebeliever.com. And that's W-O-E, woe, like woe in the Bible, woebeliever.com, one word. Um, And there I post like different blogs, like how to read the Bible in a year. That's up there, like questions you can ask during your devotionals. And then you can catch all of our episodes there whenever you want. Again, thank you for listening and be fruitful.